Hello, everyone. Hey, hey buddy. buddy. Hey, buddy. So, welcome back to episode four of Sports Business Perspective. I am your host, Paul Hine, and with me today is my co-host, Braden Karen. So, the first thing we're going to start off with is our Super Bowl predictions that we teased last week. I have the Eagles winning the Super Bowl against the Bengals, and I'll say the score is going to be... 31 to 21. Okay, pal. Uh, for me, I'm having the Bengals playing the 49ers, which will be a insane game. I do have the ba- the Bengals coming out 31-28. But it will be a Super Bowl to remember, for sure. Yeah, for sure. These playoffs are... Speaking of the NFL playoffs, we're going to talk a little bit about their viewership. So, NBC... On Saturday night, drew 21.8 million viewers for the Jaguars' comeback win over the Chargers, which is down from the 28.9 million that they drew for the Bengals Raiders on Sunday or Saturday afternoon of last year. Uh, early numbers for the Cowboys Bucks game that was shown on ESPN were around 30.6 million viewers, <clears throat> and this was confirmed in a second article that I read. That did say it was exactly thirty point six. And uh, across the, it was across five Disney networks: ABC, yeah. ESPN, ESPN Two, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN Plus. Yeah, ESPN Deportes is the the Spanish. Yeah, I, I got that. <laughs> um, so, in other NFL news, uh, the NFL is going to have a record five games in Europe, as. A part of next year's schedule. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to grow the game. I was going to say, that's a big part of growing the game. We, and yeah, even the commissioner, Roger Goodell, he hinted at a possible European division. Yeah, with a European division. That would be so crazy. That would be cool. I wonder, I wonder how that would work with like the American teams having to fly over there. Or if they would be their own separate like league. Yeah. Because... Because it would be hard flying just back yeah, and forth. Just, it would be hard flying back and forth hard. all season. Like... You know, people get jet lagged, and you know you gotta figure in or factor in for the teams. That's a lot of money yeah, to go say, that's to a go travel spent, overseas, travel a lot more distance. and you gotta get hotels for the whole team mm-hmm. and feed the whole team, and and it gets expensive. And you remember when we did um, that planning a trip in yeah, in sports, sports management, management yeah. where we had to plan uh, a weekend in Boston for our basketball team. It's kind of like that, except they would have to do that all the time. And it's on a bigger scale, too. It's on a, a much bigger scale. There's so many the more people. Yeah. So much more expensive. Yes. Yeah. Like, I don't, know, I don't know how they would lay that out. I'd be really interested to see, like, what the schedule would look like if they had a European division. Because let's, let's say it's like four or five teams. Those four or five teams are going to have to fly to America – like every other weekend almost unless you just have them play each other all the time yeah but then then how do you like determine who's going to be in the playoffs if they're separate i really do think that it would just have to be their own thing it would like it would have to be their own thing because the flying back and forth is just so inconvenient and like setting up the playoffs would be really hard and also 
I mean, obviously you can draw from the collegiate talent, but creating five new professional sports teams, let's, let's call it five because we'll say like that's, that's usually around the amount of teams that are in an NFL division. But creating five new professional sports teams is a lot of money. And at the same time, that's five, too. That's five stadiums. Yes. Five merchandising sets. Five, like, team five, equipments that you have to buy. Five team equipment, five TV all, deals. And not even accounting for all the players that you have to pay. And all the coaching yeah. staff, all yeah. the trainers, everybody. It would be such an expensive endeavor, and I just don't know, like... And another thing... If it would be worth yeah, it. I was going to say, another thing is, being in Europe, the most popular sport in Europe, in pretty much every country there, is... Soccer. Football, or soccer. Fo- yeah. So, I just... I don't see it translating as well. I don't see it translating as well either. I mean, sure... Like I mean, obviously, test it out with a couple of games and see like viewership numbers. Well, that's what they've that's what they've game. done. Exactly. But, but you need on like a when, bigger scale. Yeah, when you have it's like special event, simple. when you have special event games like they've had, like in London and in Germany now this year, I, maybe it's the last two years, but you draw more people because they're interested in seeing it that one time. Yeah. But would it stay consistent in? A whole season. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I don't think so. Because people are so solely focused on football. Like, yeah, like obviously European you'll football. get some people who will fall in love with football and, you know, they will go to every game. Like it's it's yeah. bound to happen, but. Not that there won't be a fall. But the majority of people, I just don't see it. majority of people, I don't see it. I don't see it. Or at least not to the scale that they have here, yeah. for sure. It's like, it's also like a culture thing. Like It is a culture thing. Like soccer is, that's their thing. That like is in their, America, yeah. football is our thing. Like, yeah, that's that's true. Just interesting to think yeah. about. And you want to talk about but, the Bears real quick? Yeah, but with the just one more thing with yeah. the record five games this year. That's part of what you were saying about like testing it out. That's I guess what they're doing. They'll probably take a look at their viewership numbers and their revenue numbers after that and say, "Do we think this is going to be profitable long term?" And they might have to try it out for like five seasons. They so might, like yeah. To, they might have to try continuously build it up because if you just hop right into it, like you may not see results. But if you yeah. kind of gradually get into it, then that I just feel like that, that would be that would be smart. It's there certainly needs to be like a pilot or you know like a test year or like a test like month. You know, yeah. at least at the very least, because I don't know how you would fit them into your current schedule as a league. I mean, I'm sure it can be done. The NFL has some of the smartest people in sports, I'm sure, working in their offices. But <coughs> but it's a pretty tall task. And yeah. you would also you would also have to spend a lot of money to make a European division. And I just don't see the return on investment being enough to make that valuable. I don't see it either. Okay, um yeah, so the Bears just one more piece of NFL news. The Bears are building a new stadium in Arlington Heights, which is just outside of Chicago. Happens to be where my dad grew up. Shout out, Dad. But um, I, th- I think this is really cool. Uh, I, I want to go see a game there. I mean, yeah, I've, which I've makes a lot of sense. I've been should. to Arlington Heights. You know, I saw, like, my dad's childhood home and stuff. And, like, I think it would be really cool to go see a game there. And the Bears kind of need a fresh start. They do need a fresh start. The Bears are terrible. Because right they, they've been, been like, a, pretty much a historic franchise. Yeah, they're a historic franchise. I would, and I would then, definitely just call in recent that. years, it just hasn't gone Yeah, it hasn't gone their way at all. No. And 
they have some promising like things. Like Justin Fields is so he's good. good. He's a great player. He's so good. If you like had a team around him, uh, they could win a Super Bowl. Like you know what I mean? Like if you had a talented team around Justin Fields, they can win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Like look at Jalen Hurts. Yeah, no. He could be a Jalen Hurts. I'd say they're comparable talent-wise. Yeah. But my point is... Maybe not as good as... Building a new stadium may attract some new fans for them. Because people will be like, oh, yeah, let's let's go see the game in the new stadium. But until, like, you make your team successful... I don't know how much of a difference it's going to make. Yeah, like I don't want to go see the team get blown out every game. Exactly. And also, is now the right time to build a new stadium when you're already... I'm not going to say... They're certainly not in the red. They are definitely making profit. But probably not as profitable as you could, as they could, as they, as you could be, like based on their talent level. Yeah. So I, I thought that was interesting... Um, I would want to go see a new game, or I would want to go see a game there for sure. Do you want to um, introduce our next topic? Yeah, so the next thing I'm going to be talking about is um, how Livy Dunn, uh, for people to know, she's a famous TikToker. Uh, she's a gymnast at LSU, and she's making seven figures out of her NIL deals as a college athlete. Right, so for those of you who don't know what NIL is, it's name, image, likeness. Uh, an abbreviation and basically the way it works is college athletes can get paid for a company using their name or their face or like mentioning them in an ad or in a product and they can basically collab with companies now yep. and this wasn't a thing until last year I'm was pretty sure it was last, last year. year was when the court case was won I remember because I did a research project for uh, English class in uh, junior year, but um, pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's crazy. She's six in the total rankings, but she's the number one female. Yeah, like, how do you like? How do you make seven figures being a college athlete and also be like one of the most famous people in the world? Like, that's crazy. I mean, I wouldn't go that far. Well, okay, okay, maybe not in the world, but like of. Let's say, like let's say of our generation. Years. Let's say of our generation. One of the most famous people in the world. She's pretty. Yeah, she definitely is famous. Yeah. That's no question. And think about, think about all the money she's making, not just out of NIL deals, but like... She's... Out, um, of, out of sponsors on TikTok. I saw... That's, that's like, just NCAA like associated. Like two to three million. Yeah. That's just NCAA associated companies. Yeah, that's not that's not endorsements from outside. Yeah, because I've known she's partnered with like American Eagle or something. Yeah, like, Air, like so she, like, you know, collabing with all these other like things outside of this. I think it's a great thing for a college sports that like this can happen now. I mean, yeah, like you don't want it to get to the point where it's like, where it's like it turns into professional sports. Yeah, you know, she where earned, paying like, like huge salaries for these, like to recruit. But that'll, that'll actually be interesting to see how, like, the NIL deals affect the recruiting of college sports going forward. Yeah. It, it's already starting to. There was a quarterback that was committed to Florida, I believe, that he was promised something like 13 or $14 million in NIL deals by 
the coach, like when he was being recruited. But then when he got his actual offer, or well, when he actually committed, they told him it was only going to be four million, and so he had to decommit. Jesus. And I, I just saw this on Instagram like a couple of days ago, but I wonder. That's a great example of how NIL is already affecting recruiting. Yeah, literally. It's going to kind of turn into pay to play. I hope I hope it doesn't get I to that point. I don't want it to be like that either. I hope it I I hope it doesn't get to that point, but I I feel like it's good for people to make money off of being mentioned. I swear, yeah, it's like, them. In like, an, in it's ads. Them. Like we people, would want to do the other, same yeah, thing. The if thing we, is other people are using them for money. It, yeah. If it's we were, the money that they should be exactly, making. Exactly, exactly. They should get a, I guess, chunk of the profit. If we were Division One athletes, we would want that. Yeah. But. If people were using my name and my face, right. I'd want some payment. But should there be some, like, boundaries or perimeters around it to where it doesn't get to a pay-to-play situation, like maybe a salary cap? Yeah. Kind of a deal? Or like would, the NCAA sets a rule like they should definitely look you can it. only have X amount of sponsors or make X amount of dollars per year in order to be classified an amateur athlete, which yeah. is technically what all NCAA athletes are classified as is amateur athletes because they're not paid. They're not paid to be in athletics. This is like sponsors are paying them because they play. But they're not being paid to play, if that makes sense. There's a, there's a difference. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see how the trend of NI or how NIL affects the trend of recruiting and of college sports in general. What direction it's going to go in? I know I got a little off topic there. Um, so our next our next thing is Formula One is upgrading its Miami track to be associated with Hard Rock Stadium, which is the Miami Dolphins. Stadium. Um, it's going to be a permanent 190,000 square foot paddock club hospitality building outside of, um, or that's going to be part of it outside of the stadium. And it has been built atop the team pit garages overlooking the pit lane and the starting line. And the three tier building <coughs> will include room for 6,000 guests, luxury suites, and a rooftop club, team paddock areas, and hospitality units. Where drivers will stay throughout the race week uh, weekend will be on the field where the Miami Dolphins play in Hard Rock Stadium. That's pretty cool. Like if yeah. I was if I was a Formula One driver, getting to sleep on the field where they play, that's sick. That is sick. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. I think that's a I think that's a great example of a collab between sports, between leagues, that they're like engaging both fans. Yeah. It it does it totally drives it fans. Just a new experience and stuff too. Yeah, it's a totally new experience, and F one also has had to cancel its Chinese Grand Prix due to China's new COVID restrictions. It's getting bad over there. Yeah, um, so that doesn't surprise me, but they definitely could make a lot of money in Miami. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of money that's, to make yeah, in Miami. That's money to be that's a that's a rich town. Mm-hmm. That's that's like. They're going into the richest U.S. city, Vegas, Miami. I bet, like, New York will probably be next, or L.A. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised either. But I feel like that would be kind of cool to spread Formula 1 over it here. Because be cool. we have we have NASCAR, but a lot of, there's, like a, there's like a stereotype around NASCAR. You know, like, 
because at least around us, there aren't a lot of racetracks mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't really pay attention to NASCAR. I don't. There's one in New Hampshire. I've been there one time, but, and that's the way it is in most of the country. I would say it's, it's big in the South. Yeah. And in like places like Texas, but I feel like Formula One would reach a different kind of audience than NASCAR does completely. It's a whole different vibe. Like NASCAR, people, you know, go get absolutely hammered at the games, you know? <laughs> and, like, I'm not going to say it's viewed as, like, trashy. It's not trashy, but it's viewed as, like... You're just going that far. Informal. We'll say informal. informal. That's, we'll say informal. that's a good way to describe it. And Formula One is very formal. They're very fancy. At least they have that reputation of, like, being, like, in the high-class communities in Europe. Mm-hmm. If you brought that to the U.S., I feel like they have a lot of room to grow their their league, and obviously their profit would skyrocket. Yes. Do you want to? Um, do you have any other thoughts on that? I feel like I talked a lot. No, yeah, I think you covered pretty much everything. But okay, you want to introduce our our next topic? Yeah. So the next thing we're we'll talking about is the Savannah Bananas, and. I admire the fact that the owner, Jesse Cole, he won't sell out and he sticks to his principles. You know, I've watched a documentary on ESPN about the bananas. I, you did too, didn't you? Yeah, I, I watched the, yeah, the and, documentary on ESPN Plus about the bananas. Yeah, and his main goal is to bring banana ball to as many people as possible. And by denying a, a million dollar ticket order, uh, that's a, that is what he's doing. He didn't want a large amount of seats to be taken up by the same people at all the games. And yeah, I'm, I just think it's I'm, cool. Yeah, I'm really excited that I'll be able to go watch this in person because the Savannah Bananas are coming to uh, play in the Portland Sea Dogs Stadium, Hadlock Field, and I'm going to get to work that game with my internship there. So I'm I'm really excited to just experience It'll that. It'll be really cool. It's going to be awesome. I might think just go watch that game. You should. And honest, you should get on the tickets soon because they sell out. Yeah. They sell out Pretty fast. Quick. But this is a great example of, like, customer loyalty for, like, a business because he's being loyal to what he promised his customers, which was he wants to show his product to as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. That was his main goal. And he wants to change, like, the culture of baseball because he, like, sees this trend that people think, like we talked about last week, People think baseball is boring mm-hmm. and all this. He sees that and he wants to change it yeah. and make it more fun. And he has done that for he a does lot it of people. Like, they do it in a great way. They do a great job. And it took them like a couple of years to build up. But they are so successful now. And to the point where I almost would rather go watch one of their games than a major league game. Like if I'm being honest. Because it's going to be more entertaining. It is very entertaining. But... As as a business owner, it's amazing that he's sticking to his principles. And I feel like that will resonate with a lot of customers and they'll be like, Yeah, he's not just in it for the money. Yeah. You know, he really actually cares he about He cares this. about and yeah, the And that'll make people so. want to go see the product even more. You know? So I, I think that was a great move by him. A million dollar ticket order is a very large ticket order. Just respect. Yeah. 
basically what I saw was the people who put in this order doubled their offer was double the price of the season tickets that they were buying for all of the games at like at each location that they were going to it was Great. double and it ended up being a million dollars so that's a huge ticket order that's a lot of revenue on I and mean, I'm sure they make a lot of money yeah they does it's not like it's not like this not having the million dollars is going to hurt them if you think about it, if they paid twice the price, they're still going to make 500000 yeah. by selling yeah. those tickets. But, like, just having good ethics to stick to your promise to customers is an essential part of a business. And this is a perfect example of how a business can do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Yeah, so um, the next thing we're going to talk about is the Olympic media deal, or media rights. So the Olympics have secured its European broadcasters through 2032. They have Warner Bros. Discovery and the European Broadcasting Union signed a deal with IOC. The International Olympics Committee signed a joint agreement with the European Broadcasting Union. Union and Warner Bros. Discovering, Discovery covering all European, all European territories from 2026 to 2032. Uh, okay, so... You want to talk about the deal? Yeah, I will talk about the deal, but the thing that struck me about this was Warner Bros. is reaching into sports a lot. They're becoming a huge part of the broadcasting market in uh, just across sports in general. They have the NBA already, and now they just added the Olympics. And I think they have, I think they have another deal, too, or they're working on other deals as well. Let me look. Yeah, so their their division, so Warner Bros. Division of Sports is uh, the TNT network uh, or the Turner Broadcasting System. Mm-hmm. So they already have the NCAA, NBA, PGA Tour, PGA of America, and now they just added the Olympics. That's that's a big that's a big audience they're reaching. They're becoming a big player in in the uh broadcasting market. Yeah. Which is a great idea. Yeah, I mean it's, it's definitely it's about. definitely good for them yes. as a business to expand their their reach and that's exactly what they're doing is by providing more sports content to people and sometimes you'll see like playoff games on TNT too like mm-hmm. the MLB playoff games are sometimes on TNT but by expanding your um I want to say not network but your content you are able to have more profit, obviously. Yeah. Um, okay, so just a little bit about the deal. Under the new deal, the uh, EBU, or the European Broadcasting Broadcasting Union, which is the union that uh, Warner Bros. is working with, they'll offer more than 200 hours of free-to-air coverage of the summer games and over 100 for the winter games. Uh, if the winter games continue to be a thing in the future though that's dependent on that like we talked about in our first episode Mm -hmm. it could change with 
not a lot of places being able to host due to the climate change and not being there not being as much snow in the world as there used to be. The Winter Olympics may become a thing of the past, not anytime soon, but I could see it in 15 or 20 years. Yep. Um, the New Deal will begin with the Winter Games in Milan in 2026, followed by the Summer Games in Los Angeles in 2028. Uh, the IOC is reevaluating its uh, a selection process after the effects of climate change reduced the number of viable host cities, like I was just talking about, the Olympic Committee is um, reevaluating re their selection. And the committee may award hosting duties on a rotating basis instead of picking cities one at a time. So they'll compile a list of cities that are still viable mm -hmm. and say... You'll do it this year, you'll do it this year, you'll do it this year, and then it'll just rotate back I think that around. Works well. That's probably that's smarter. A lot more easier. Yeah, that's probably smarter simple. than the way they do it now. A lot more simple. Because it's a big process to pick a host city every couple of years for for both games. Yeah. And if you had it mapped out like that and had a plan, that's that's a great business strategy. Yeah. Just it makes everything easier. It makes your systems, your planning easier. It makes your employees have a little less on their plate, you know? Like yeah. They don't have to figure out all these details because the countries already know in advance that, oh, I have to figure this out for this year. Um, so I thought, I thought that was pretty interesting. And do you want to introduce the NBA topic? Yeah. So the NBA, which currently has nine-year deals with ESPN and TNT totaling $24 billion, could look to triple that sum when those pacts expire after the 2024-25 season. So this is just going back to kind of what we mentioned last week with the media rights deals, how the NBA was looking for a new media rights deal. This is just some more details in that story. Um, to triple... The sum of $24 billion. Yeah. That's That would be a lot of money in TV deals. That's remarkable. I don't know. I don't know what company would give them triple what they're getting right now. I don't either. I, like, the NBA has... But the NBA... A certain value. Yeah, so... With the new arrival of a potential uh, superstar, he's French. Yeah. I don't know if you know who he is. Victor Wembanaya. Yeah. Is yes. that how you say it? So, the NBA is actually growing its media presence in Europe with him and the league inked a UK broadcast deal with the BBC covering nine games this season beginning with Thursday's tilt in Paris between the Chicago Bulls and Detroit Lions and if if the value of the NBA in Europe goes up obviously they're going to make more money and they're going to be worth the triple that yeah, they, so they anticipate a substantial growth in the French fan base yeah which and would I could see that that, that would that make sense, sense. Victor I mean Raven, Wembenaya, Wemba Naya, I think is he the way could to be. It. Yeah, he could be the best player ever. Yeah, it's like he's unbelievable. It's it like doesn't make sense. I'll I'll give you a comparison for baseball. It would be like Shohei Otani, right? Draws in a lot of Japanese fans. Mm -hmm. Victor Wembanyama for the NBA could draw in a lot of European fans. A lot of French fans in particular. Yeah, what is he like? Isn't he like? Seven five, and he can shoot. He's a sharpshooter. Yeah, 
Yeah. Duke can so, take a dribble from half court and yeah. dunk them off. Not not that we're saying that like he alone will triple the value yeah. in the NBA. Like, that's that's a, not true. Could play a part. But for sure. if if the NBA starts to gain more exposure in Europe, then it's possible they can triple and he would their like, value he because would just play a part of that. Yeah, he would he would play a probably a big part it's of that. But Obviously, if you grow your game, the value is going to grow. So, um, the league inked the UK broadcast deal with the BBC, covering the British Broadcasting Network, covering nine games this season, beginning with Thursday's tilt in Paris between the Chicago Bulls and Detroit Pistons, which is the first regular season game in France. Did you already say that? I feel like I already. Sega. Did you already say the thing about the Pistons and the Bulls? Yeah. Sorry, everyone. I just we just repeated ourselves. Well, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that'll be interesting to see if the NBA will be able to get the money that they're expecting to get from a TV deal that they're looking at. And I wonder who it's going to be with. It's possible we looked. We talked about last week how it could be with Amazon because the streaming services is the trend of TV deals right now, and that's where leagues are looking to to grow their audiences. But I don't know if that would work in Europe. Like, would a streaming service work in Europe as well as it would here? I I don't know exactly how well streaming services are known in Europe, you know, like an Amazon Prime or Hulu or ESPN Plus or that kind of thing. But it's safe to assume that American-based streaming services probably are more popular in America. There's also than in like like Luka Doncic, for example. He's a Euro play, He's a European player. That's yeah. And he is. He draws in fans. Yeah, a lot exactly. of European fans. So if you just continue to get guys like this, it's just yeah. bound to increase fan base. Yeah. And basketball's huge over there already. Yeah, it is. They have league. they have it's so like the many. Second leagues. biggest league. Yeah, it is the second biggest league. They have so many leagues over there that are filled with like really good, really good players. Yeah, like some of those people really could play in the NBA. Yeah, some of those people could play in the NBA if they lived in America. Yeah, literally. And I mean, you see, you see some guys starting to do that. Yeah. This is a great example, Victor Wembanyama. But Wem Wem Banyama. Oh, Wem Banyama. That's how you it's say hard it. to pronounce. It's I, hard to pronounce. I can Sorry, folks. We, we are having a hard time with that name. But he is presumed to be the first overall pick in uh, June's NBA draft. Mm-hmm. Which I wonder, like, if, if this happens a lot in leagues where the number one pick is going to be an international player. That doesn't happen a lot. The number one pick is usually the best college player. Uh, in general, in the country, across most sports, usually. Yeah, to an extent. To an extent, like think about it, like football. Usually, it's especially usually it's the best player. Basketball, a lot of it too is people look up like upside. Yeah, that's true. But mostly, it is the best player. Yeah, usually it's the best player from college, or colleges here, but. Well, like I'll say an example, like. Like, this player won, I think he won player of the year two times, and Frank Mason a third. 
Yeah. And he, like, statistically and how he played, like, his team, he played for Kansas. His team was always a fantastic team. Yeah. He was regarded as, like, the best part of college. I think the dude was drafted in the second round. Last yeah. like two seasons. Doesn't yeah, I mean that's not. Like that. It's not a universal. It's not yeah. a universal but thing that a number one draft who are, pick. Who are the best player? But they yeah. also have that upside. Yeah, it like it's not a universal thing that a number one draft pick is gonna be amazing right out of the gate. It, the same thing could happen with Victor Wembanyama. <laughs> I think I got it now. I think I got it now. <laughs> I'm not even gonna try to say. <laughs> but. Just it's interesting to me that an international player could be the first overall pick because you don't see that a lot. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, particularly with the NBA, if they start growing their game in Europe more, if that would continue. I mean, I would assume you'd start seeing that more often than you see it now. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about today? I think we got everything. Yeah, I mean, I think another good podcast. I think I think that's about it. Uh, the baseball Hall of Fame ballot is coming up, um, so we will. I I know the writers are submitting their ballots already. I've seen some posts on Instagram and and stuff like that. So we will keep you guys updated uh, for when the announcement comes out about who's getting in this year. And it's a. Um, it's a class that has a lot of debate around it because of some of the PED guys. Which, but, I mean... But we I, can talk I, about... Yeah. That's a whole separate thing. That's a whole thing other thing that we can talk that about. we can talk about at the time because we have to see who gets in mm-hmm. first before we really even get into that. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Um, I hope uh, you're enjoying the podcast so far, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good day.